Hello there and welcome once again to the Broadcast Preview Podcast. Callum Williams here alongside the usual compatriots of Kendra D. St. Aubin and Jamie Watson. And there's a playoff kind of feeling about this room right now. For obvious reasons, after three years, Minnesota United finally confirmed postseason football for the very first time since coming into Major League Soccer. And Kindra D. St. Aubin, what a night we had at Allianz Field. When you and I were chatting about it after the game, before we did the post-game show, saying, like, of course Minnesota wouldn't just fly in with ease, the nice little 3 nothing, 4 nothing victory <laughs> against Kansas City team in 11th position in the West. Instead, make it entertaining, exciting, and down to the wire. And I think that um, not only did the leadership of a player like Ozzy Alonso will this team in the second half, the fan base will this team in the second half. And they... They deserved this win. This fan base, the supporters group in Minnesota, the soccer in Minnesota, deserved this win last night. And it was a a fantastic ending to a not-so-great game. Mm. But sometimes you got to win that way. And I loved the two goals. I loved everything about both of them. And you really couldn't find two players more deserved of those two goals in that time, in my opinion, on this roster in this situation than Ozzy Alonso and Hassani Dotson. I love Ozzy Alonso and his intensity yes. that he brings to the game. Uh, we'll talk about that a little later on, no doubt. Jamie, you have been with this club for a while now and were uh, very much a, a huge part of it when there were a handful of people in the stands. There was 800 or 900 people, uh, season ticket holders and whatnot. Um, and, and there was always potential here in this market, at least to my knowledge. Every time I thought about Twin Cities and the soccer history that it had, I thought there's always potential for this market to host an MLS team and to be a success. But I can't imagine even you, a former player, who was sat in the locker room throughout various disappointments and various victories as well, let's not forget, in the minor league days, could have ever imagined something like we witnessed on Wednesday evening. No, I mean, the the trajectory at which the club has gone on in the last three years is remarkable. And look, make no mistake about it. That hasn't that arrow hasn't always been pointing up. At times, it was plateaued. At times, it was a downward spiral. And and at times, you wondered. There's a little bit of ebbs and flows to it, as there is with any team in their evolution. And just three years into their MLS history, because I think you really have to do compartmentalize the different eras, right? You've got your kicks era. You've got the kind of iteration before Dr. McGuire where it was the NSC stars. It was the Minnesota stars. It was the Minnesota thunder. It was, it was don't buy a Jersey because the next year it could be another team iteration. Then there's Dr. McGuire in the NASL when he comes in and solidifies the club. And then there's the MLS era. And with that, there was an idea of how this project wanted to take on. And you know, if you look at the likes of Atlanta United, right? Uh, this isn't meant to be comparative of the two, but they had 18 months of a buildup to where they played their first MLS game. Minnesota United had about a six-month buildup. So there's a year grace period in there, which the first year very much was a learning curve. Adrian, tongue-in-cheek, says getting 10 wins out of that team the first season was one of his best career achievements as a coach. That's an extra 12 months that, a club like Atlanta had to prepare to get going and MLS just was thrown into the deep end or Minnesota United was thrown into the deep end of the pool in MLS and sink or swim. And at times barely kept their head above water. So then you get into year two, you start to see a few more glimpses. The roster takes a little bit more evolution, but it wasn't really until this year that Adrian Heath really was able to make uh, so many changes to the players that affected games week in and week out the starting 11 
it wasn't just Adrian. It was the entire technical staff too, on up to Manny and the ownership group for, you know, putting the money out to get these players. But you have to give credit when Adrian said, here's the plan all along. Now, sometimes it was harder to see the light at the end of the tunnel and Dr. McGuire for giving the faith and the board for giving the faith in Adrian to see this out. And then when a night like last night happens, it's validation that there is a thought process of where this club is going, starting with making the jump to major league soccer and the significant financial investment in that. Then you build a stadium that's second to none in major league soccer. That has clearly been a difference maker for Minnesota United this year and a roster that's fitting of a fan base that has supported the team throughout that entire stretch that I was just speaking about. And then when it comes off, look, at the end of the day, if we want to break down Asani's goal, it hits the back of a defender with a wicked deflection and crawls into the corner by inches. But it's really a microcosm of how this team has been able to do it in a way in which it's gritty at times. You grind out results. But then sometimes just written in the stars, isn't it? And nobody would have thought through the first probably 60, 65 minutes of that game, Minnesota, we're going to walk away with three points on the night. Mm-hmm. But maybe the stars align and, and it just kind of is indicative of Minnesota United and, and the plan evolving and coming to fruition and being here. And that moment goes in the corner and it's pure ecstasy in the stadium. And it was something that... I don't think any three of us will ever forget. Will it be in there in that moment? And everyone that was there that it felt it, that was a moment. That was a memory. And it was incredible to be a part of, wasn't it? It was. And we'll, we'll get to it in a little while because I, I want to ask you, Ken, because you're the perfect person to ask this question. Um, when Kansas City took the lead in the early stages of the game, I couldn't help but think to myself, if it stays like this, there are going to be so many people who identify Minnesota United as just another typical Minnesotan sports team. Exactly. And I guarantee every single person in the stands that is a Minnesotan and, and does enjoy all Minnesotan sports, whether it's the twins or, and thank goodness the twins clinched last night too, (laughs) but the Vikings that what used to be the North stars, the wild, you just have this feeling of like waiting for the other shoe to drop or the, Oh no, here we go again, type of a feeling. And I think that's once again, where this Minnesota United club and the leadership in this group, the willingness to will your team to a victory, and you have players on this squad that will not let those kinds of things happen, and there's a mentality here, and it takes everybody to get involved and to buy in, but if it starts with a player like Agapara, a player like Ozzy Alonso, even Vito Minone and the success in the places he's been in and played at, you can just see that it trickles, and it and it goes to the other players on the team and the other guys, and um, yes, there absolutely was that feeling. I felt it was so different, this Kansas City game, than Real Salt Lake. Because Real Salt Lake, Minnesota was on the front foot. They had the run of play, and then the goal went against. So you were like, what the heck? And you felt like Minnesota was going to get one back and get it quickly. Whereas Kansas City, Minnesota did not come out the aggressor. Did They did not come out on the front foot. It felt like they were playing a road game, not in front of your home field in a game that you need to win to clinch the playoffs. But credit where credit is due, they went in the locker room, Somebody had their say. And from what we heard, players like Inazi Alonso was not very pleased. And sometimes it means more and it takes the players holding themselves accountable and not just always the coach because you can't always just have the coach yelling. Sometimes the guys start to tune out. But if a player like Ozzy Alonso steps up and lays into him, the second half it was revived and they redeemed themselves and it was grit and it was gritty and they grinded it out, didn't have to be pretty, and they got it done in the end. And um, credit where credit is due to this to this club and 
and to those players on the field last night. Having said that, I did hear from one or two people here this morning at the Golden Valley office that apparently Adrian Heath's halftime speech was magnificent. Was it? Apparently so. Like now, not so much the screaming and the yelling, more of like a... Uh, I mean, because there's a more, time and place for different kinds of, you know, halftime conversations. Yes, more about believing in yourselves, sure. um, more about doing this for your family mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. all those that you mm -hmm. love and all that kind of stuff. That That's what I've been yes. told anyway. And is that's that awesome. It, it really motivated the players. Yep. And you could tell because the second half was very, very different to the one we saw in the opening 45 minutes. Yep. Jamie, perfect, uh, perfect person to answer this question. How silly are the likes of Orlando City going to feel now seeing Adrian Heath do this? I mean, I can imagine when he sat down with the ownership group that took over the Brazilian heirs. The very, very, very wealthy Brazilian owners that came in and uh, bought a majority ownership stake in the club. And Adrian has this thought, right? It's not a, he didn't reinvent the wheel here. I'm sure he probably said something very similar to that Orlando City staff. And they gave him a year and a half. And I think we were talking about this last night, Cal, weren't we? Where have they been since they let Adrian Heath go? Nowhere near the playoffs. And they only just slightly missed it their first year. Let him go the second year, didn't make it. And look, I do think James O'Connor is a good option to fix what's going wrong there. I think there's a lot of problems inherently that's going on there. But sometimes patience and sports don't go hand in hand or belong in the same sentence, and sometimes <laughs> rightly so. But I also think Major League Soccer is completely different than anywhere else in the world because there are so many other mechanisms in which it takes time to get roster development and with that, you know, you're looking at, you're an expansion team. Okay, great. You're coming in with another team. We're going to take the 14 best players from our team. If you're any other team in the league and you get to pick the four, the rest of the roster that we don't think you want or are too expensive or an older set of players. There's five of your players there. Try to pick from that. Then you're picking through the draft and then you're trying to find other players on unearthing gems under hidden rocks and stuff like that. It's, it's very difficult in the first year unless you just go and just throw money at players and just see what sticks. And so, um, yeah, I mean, I think what Adrian was doing there, we saw glimpses of, here and the ownership group said right we're not going to make the same mistake somebody else did and i think it's very smart it's an intelligent decision and by the way one person <laughs> name one person that's listening to this right now that would go i feel so confident in my ability i'm willing to risk my job on it and put your put your neck on the line and basically be like if i don't perform at this point fire me right. point blank and simple and and if you have that much confidence in what you're doing it's hard not to buy into that and you've seen the fans here now. You've seen the players uh, long before buy into what they're doing now. And, you know, it's this difficult moment when I'm asking the question right after the game. I get to ask Adrian one of the first questions. And part of me wanted to just ask him, is this the biggest I told you so that you've had in your life? And I knew that probably wasn't appropriate, so I didn't. But part of me wanted to say that. And there has to be an element of it because people have been saying stuff and, and everybody's got an opinion online and stuff. And some people are more critical than others. But if you say you think you can achieve something, you need the resources to be able to do it in the backing of the club because that's what ownership is there to do. They give it to you and then you deliver on it. Yep. How can you argue with that? Now it's what can the team do next? What can go on from there? And it's really interesting to hear about the halftime speech because I've been on the end of some of those. And um, I actually posted one on Twitter. I think retweeted it from the team where you gave one a speech after the game that was very 
positive and saying how proud he was yeah. and how much the group believed it's, in it. It was a kind of a glimpse pulling the curtain back a little bit to see what happened. But I would have given anything to be in that locker room because that Adrian Heath is the kind of coach and and I think you saw it for a little bit in that video post game, but I imagine during halftime, he's the guy that can convince you to put your head down and run through a wall and you want to look back at him afterwards and be like, did I do that well enough? You know, did I make you proud? Because he can get that inspiration out of a player and um, obviously did last night and man, what a memorable comeback that was. I still have to say though, I mean, I want to give, I mean, I'm all for, you know, I I love clearly what Adrian Heath has done and he's found a way and he, he got his time to, to, get his plan to fruition because we all know that the way this society and culture and sports works, it's win now. And a lot of times players, teams, coaches, whatever, don't have time to bring that to fruition. <laughs> but I do think that, you know, I think, and, and how many times we've seen the Heath out comments, how many times have we seen them, you know, fire Manny and Amos and everybody else. I do think for Manny and Amos to kind of stick through it through They've been absolutely lambasted time and time again and said that they weren't ready to be a GM. They weren't, they're not doing their proper due diligence from a scouting perspective. So for me, I do think like all in all encompassing, there are a lot of people and that, that deserve credit and, and finally seeing this through and giving the time. And there's still a lot of work to be done, a long yes. way to go. And I think they all recognize that as well, but bask in that moment of glory for one night last night and then right back to work with LAFC and Bob Bradley coming to town. But they all know that this is just the beginning. And I think there's a handful of people that could probably say, look, I told you so. Give us a little bit of time and, and we'll figure this thing out. And talking of having celebrations, uh, forgive my ignorance. Um, happy birthday, Kendra D. Oh, St. Alban. Happy what birthday. Is, what is it, 25 now, is it? Yeah, I wish. <laughs> I wish. If You know what? If I go to a bar and I ever order a drink, we'll see if I get carded. That'll be the true test. Well, that sounds like a challenge. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> hey, what did I tell you last night? <laughs> I was just about to say, you did tell me if Minnesota United win MLS Cup, you suggested you would have a shot, actually. And I said, well, hold on one second. I would think I'm far too classy for that, but that's not true at all. But I said, I would absolutely um, have a, uh, I would buy you a glass of, of wine, because mm -hmm. uh, that's my new thing now for whatever reason. Um, and, uh, and we shall enjoy a glass of wine. Mm -hmm. um, so... We're sticking to this, yes? Yeah, hey, sure, by the as way, long as it would, comes with steak. I want to buy one, too. I'll buy one for you as well. <laughs> I, I think there'll be a line of people that want to buy it just to celebrate. <laughs> just to see me drink a glass of wine. Absolutely. There we go. That'll be fabulous. Uh, talking of fabulous, uh, somebody who, who we've mentioned briefly several times already in the podcast uh, is is Ozzy Alonso, mm. who, um, who who his, his wants and his lust and his need for perfection and victory is infectious and... I couldn't, Kendra, think of a more perfect individual to grab the game by the mm -hmm. scruff of the neck mm -hmm. and put Minnesota United back into the realm of relevance on Wednesday evening. You know, and I, I just, he is one of those players that you absolutely root for because he does everything the right way and he always has. And when he tweeted out, I think it was late last night or this morning, 11 of 11, you know, 11th season MLS, 11 playoff appearances. That tells you really all you need to know about Ozzy Alonso and the way he goes about his business. You remember when him and Ike Parra both got here at the beginning of the season and separately were interviewed about what they are going to bring to Minnesota United, that winning mentality, that winning culture. And Ozzy Alonso, he knows no other way. Yeah. And it's not even about just his skill set. It is about his mentality. It's about the way he communicates with his teammates, what rubs off. He doesn't even have to speak the, the same language, just the way he goes about a bit, his business on the field, in training, at practice, 
probably in film sessions. We're not privy to that, but I can guess. Mm. Holding people accountable, but in the right way, where people respect him and they want to listen and they want to learn. And if you're yelling at him, you better listen. I mean, he reamed Mason Toy at one point last night yes, about not, you know, not holding onto the ball and shielding after they've been working their butts off to defend and get it out. Just things like that where a player is going to look at him, whether you're the same age, you could be older than Ozzy, younger than Ozzy, doesn't matter, and you respect him for what he is and what he's done. And I love that about Ozzy Alonso, just everything about what he stands for. And even if he's not on the pitch, if he's on the sideline, if he's hurt, if he's not training, if he's sitting out, whatever it might be, you can feel his presence just by what he's done. And and I think perfect example of, of Hassani Dotson stepping in right alongside and a player that Hassani wants to mimic and wants to emulate and wants to learn from. A little bit of the old guard, maybe the new guard right Absolutely. there in the same game. And and it was uh it was amazing because I don't know if there was the if you guys remember this moment, one zero, just to maybe about a minute or two before the corner kick in which Ozzy Alonso scores. The ball kind of awkwardly bounced, and Eric Hurtado did a really good job of kind of shielding Ozzy off at midfield, literally standing on the midfield line, won the header forward, and then it was a flat-out foot race. So you've got a 50-yard foot race in the 65th, 67th minute, something like that, with Eric Hurtado, who's quick. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I won't say he's one of the fastest guys in the league, but he's quick, short, fast. I mean, he's he's got to be, right, when you're mm-hmm. my size and his size. Um and he's uh, he's in this foot race with Ozzy, and Ozzy chases him down enough to nudge him a bit, not foul him, because if he commits the foul, it's a penalty, it's denial of an obvious goal-scoring opportunity, it's a red card, you know, you got to think 2-0 down to 10 men. So he knows he's savvy enough to nudge him off the ball a little bit. He can barely get anything on it, Hurtado. It rolls harmlessly to Vito Minone, and then they go down, get the corner, and he scores. And, and doesn't that kind of encompass... Ozzy Alonso in in a sense of understanding that in this moment, you've got to find a gear that maybe we didn't know existed to chase it down when the game is in balance, be smart at the end of a 50, 60 yard sprint until you sprinting 50, 60 yards hard enough, but let alone making the smart, perfect decision in the moment, very difficult to do. And then he goes and gets the goal that, that changes the whole complexion of the game. Um, I thought for Kansas city, Gianluca Busio was the best I've seen him at 17 years old. Yes. But I also he think. He doesn't look 17 when no, he's on the ball. No, not at all. I, but I also think he got a master class from Ozzy Alonso about what he needs to continue to do mm-hmm. to get even better. Mm-hmm. Because I thought he was, he was sprite. He was youthful exuberance. It was it was everything you wanted to see from a sporting Kansas City of, hey, there's a glimpse to a really good homegrown player we have here. But there were so many times when just the experience and the savviness of Ozzy Alonso got the better of the 17-year-old and kind of goes to show sometimes that experience, you can't replace that. And Ozzy was, was fantastic, just echoing everything that you two have already said today, last night, and what we'll probably continue to say on for the next several days. So let's fast forward to the 90th minute, shall we? And I think you could you could cut the tension with a knife um, at Allianz Field. And, and again, um, I, I just couldn't keep thinking to myself, but, but think to myself that, again, this will be such a shame if they don't claim the victory here. It's set up perfectly. It's perfectly poised. And all of a sudden, uh, Hassani Dotson picks the ball up. You pointed it out on our broadcast, Kendra. He plays a lovely little one-two with, with Ozzy Alonso. Maneuvers inside, and his body shape originally suggested that he was going to hit it, mm-hmm. not once, mm-hmm. not even at the second time mm-hmm. then. And I thought to myself, hit it, mm-hmm. hit it, go on, hit it, hit it. Mm-hmm. And, and it, he waited for, for the gap that he thought was appropriate. He could have hit it two or three times before he did. And 
I, I thought to myself it, it showed such a maturity mm-hmm. from a player who, who I firmly believe should be the MLS Rookie of the Year. I think we're all in agreement there. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, and then he gets a, a, a lucky deflection um, off of the, the individual who scored the, the opening goal for Kansas City, um, which it, it looked as if it struck his hand on the way through, but that's yeah. another day. For another day. For another we all day. missed it. We, I, I didn't see it. I, I never, and there's so much going on. I mean, that's a whole other debate. But, like, I mean, clearly outside of the right arm, not mm-hmm. even outside of the right leg, but never saw a replay at that moment that clearly showed it. And, of course, it... Neither did the refs. No, no and it goes, nobody and it goes, did. And it goes right on. You know, I mean, so anyways. No, again, it's another debate for another yeah. day about mm-hmm. VAR. Let's not get into that, shall we? Um, now, if we had lost, <laughs> then we'd be talking well, more, <laughs> a little bit more. Fortunately, we're not today, right? That would have been a tough yeah. one. Fortunately, we're talking about a fabulous goal mm-hmm. um, from Hassani Dotson, mm-hmm. who, as I said, showed uh, such maturity for a player in his rookie campaign. And I know there's a, a little element of luck with the deflection, but just the build-up was, was fabulous to see from him. Mm-hmm. Um, and then carnage ensued and, and celebrations went wild. And there was there's so many things from Hassani Dotson. And there was a moment earlier, maybe just five minutes earlier, I don't even remember now, it's all a blur, but he played a no-look pass to the end line where he was looking inside. And it was like basketball, you know? It was like, look this way and pass it that way. Fooled everybody. Just And I never got to talk about it because play was moving on so fast. You couldn't even get back to a replay. But there's so many things that he does that are beyond his years. And I say that in the sense it's hard because, you know, he graduated college. He's, what, 22, 23? Yes. So he's not young, but from his professional career, he's young. You know, by soccer standards, from an American American soccer standard, he's not. But I just love everything about his personality and the way he plays the game. And that goal was a perfect example of that. He splits the two defenders by playing the ball inside to Ozzy. He continues on his run along the 18, not knowing if he's going to get it back or not, because I believe Roman was also on his right-hand side. So then Ozzy had options. You're trying to take the defender with you if you're if you're Hassan. You're not going to get mad if you don't get the ball back. But he gets the ball back, and then as exactly as you said it, he reads it. You can see from that one goal angle, he keeps looking up, trying to find that moment where he knows it's not going to get blocked, completely shut out, and the composure on the ball to keep coming across the 18 and trying to find that space where there are no legs in front of him because it was just legs everywhere of Kansas City players trying to stick their leg out. Does get the deflection, but that's also what you get. When you put the ball and you take the shot, you get the chance of a deflection and you don't know what's going to happen. And a fantastic finish. I love the one, too. And, you know, I just, it was such a great, a great moment because it was a great goal. Just all things encompassing. And I was glad that it happened to Hassani. We talk about Rookie of the Year. And I remember when we tweeted this out as a club about being a rookie year, I just want people to remember that it's not just about people that score goals that should get voted for rookie of the year. He has scored some fantastic goals for Minnesota Mm -hmm. United, but it's everything that he has done for this club and stepped in in every moment. You know, oh, by the way, Chase Gasper out for the next game with a red card. Who's going to fill in at left back? You know, I mean, yes, they have Moembre Tarot, but could Asani do it? Absolutely. So just everything that he has done for this club and his willingness to learn and how invaluable he has been to this team, aside from scoring goals. I mean, rookie all the way, rookie of the year all the way for me. Absolutely. I don't think there's been a rookie that has been as impactful as yep. Sasani Dobson Exactly, has that's been a perfect word. Yep. That moment could have could have solidified it. Yes. If you were on the fence about Shinyashiki maybe two weeks ago when he was player of the week after a two-goal performance, yep. you swayed before, back and forth. That moment right there. And look, let's call a spade a spade. He didn't strike that the cleanest. No, no. no. <laughs> No one's going to sit there and say no. it's going to put a real dent in his bangers only no. tagline that he's had because all the other ones have been absolutely superb. But 
from a moment of importance, the calmness, as you said, the the alert ability to play, because the one-two didn't just happen in a tight little space, you know, of, of three yards where it's kind of instinctual, really, mm -hmm. more than anything. I'm going to play here. I'm just going to quickly touch it there and go. It was the pass followed by the run of mm -hmm. 10, 12 yards to take the right touch and then make the decision. And ultimately, it doesn't try to get the cleanest. It takes a, a bit of a wicked deflection off the back. But it's it's the, the confidence in that moment. And... and you know, us as as co-commentators, you know, to Cal, Kendra, you, you can attest to this. We're we're supposed to break down the goal and why was it a goal and in the moment. And to be quite honest, you hit the nail on the head with the one two right off the bat. And Cal, you come to me and you start talking about me, and I'm thinking, you know what? In this moment, anybody can see that he kind of strikes the ball, goes into the ground, hits the back, wrong foots Tim Melia. It's there's there's not much to really say why it happened. You kind of saw and yeah, apart from saying fate happened, you know what I mean? But I remember the first thing that came to mind was imagine what this kid was doing eight months ago, just sitting there by his computer hitting refresh while the draft was going on at Oregon state going, okay, the first 20 picks have gone and the, okay, now we're in round two and there's 30 picks gone. And then just hoping somebody calls him. I mean, this is a kid that had a, an agreement, verbal agreement in place with the USL club that if I don't get drafted, I'll go there. Yes. So that's like where his mentality was. Now, eight months later, he scores one of the biggest goals and a goal that will never be forgotten in Minnesota United history. Um, not because it ripped the back of the net off and it went top corner on its way through, but because it was the moment in which the game needed a hero and he was the hero eight months later. So it was a, a special moment in that. And I can only imagine, I think I said to him off air, I played 12 years and never scored a goal like that ever. Mm. You've been doing this for less than 12 months. It may never happen again. You may never score a better goal than that. So enjoy this moment. Yeah. And, and that smile. Like, smiles, man. I mean, yeah. that million dollar smile. How fortunate, though, have we been with the rookies this year? I mean, just all around, not just players and talent. I'm just saying people, like really good people. And not to say that past years, I mean, Wyatt Almsberg, you know, I mean, uh, we've had other great ones, but it's, it's just crazy to me the way Chase Gasper, I mean, I think I told the story the other day when we were at Children's Hospital, this is kind of off subject here, but Children's Hospital for that visit, and Chase was there serving pizza to kids, and he kind of like goes to walk towards the parking garage and he gives us a wave like me, Bragg, and I think Vito was there, and and he he couldn't do it. He had to come back and shake all of our hands before he walked to the parking garage to get in his car because that is the way he was brought up. Just mm -hmm. just really good people and great guys and, and great soccer players and Dane St. Clair as well. I have a worry here, Cal. I think you're about to like switch gears because we're kind of getting to the end of this too. And just like you remembered that it was Kendra's birthday and that was certainly something we need to get to right off the bat. We also are forgetting that there was also a surprise for huh. somebody else last night. Cal, can we talk Cal's about... Cal's still recovering from that surprise. Can He's we lucky talk this about, is a podcast for radio. <laughs> yeah. The fact that you got yeah. the wool pulled over your eyes, a fast one pulled on you. Your parents... Glenn and Don Williams flew over from England, have been here for a couple of days now. Yes, been in hiding, yes. <laughs> been FaceTiming you every been day. There on a, for a days? And you didn't uh, run into them in downtown Minneapolis? For about a day and a half they've been. Oh, my yeah. God. But they've been FaceTiming you each and every day, just hiding whereabouts they are, giving you the yes. blank wall treatment, you know, behind you, behind them, so you wouldn't tell that, uh, be able to tell that they're in Minneapolis. And then halfway through our pregame show, we were talking about our favorite goals, favorite memories, which was a really fun yes. segment. If you can get, get a chance to go back and watch that um, pregame show, because that was a great moment in and of itself. But you had talked about your favorite memory being the Wonderwall after DC United and the first time here in Allianz, in, in Allianz Field. But, I mean, did that surprise 
then top it for you? Your Poss- face. Possibly, yeah. Yeah, it was it was insane. because So obviously, as you insinuated, Joe, that we were all giving our favorite Allianz Field moments. And um, all of a sudden, Morgan, our producer Morgan, is in my ear saying, right, go down to Jamie for, for more on the Wonderwall. And I thought to myself, why, why are we going... Right, I know we talked about it previously. That was the I, only thing we could think to say to you that you would, in the show, be like, okay, okay. we'll just Because you, you started to this. throw it back to me, and I was like, wait, I thought we were going to Jamie here to go back to the Wonderwall. Like, I thought you had this forgotten. Was, this was part of the, so for, for context, this was part of the, the fast one we were pulling on you was at the end of this, the, the part about our goals and the favorite memories, that was a legitimate, like, give your own real thoughts about it and mm. everything like that. But then this part, we had to figure out how do we get it back down to me on the field? Uh. So I could be standing there right next to your parents <laughs> who were in the, you know, in the front row. Well, and Cal to- and I both prior to the game were like, did you know about this? Like, why are we going back down to Jamie to talk about the wonder wall? Like, cause neither of us knew about that. Yeah, From a TV standpoint, no, it, it was no just sense. you I, and well, Morgan. That's what I was saying. But yes. we, could do, we couldn't do anything else <laughs> to have it happen this way. And off the back of your favorite memory. So then we throw it back down, and that's how much of a pro you are. You didn't ignore Morgan, even if it didn't make sense in the moment. I you try, were I like, tried to I, set you up, actually, I trust talking my... about the fans and whatnot, of it, and, but you were playing in front of you know, smaller crowds and now how much it's grown and everything. And then, and in my mind, I'm like, yeah, 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 I'll get over it. We got a great <laughs> surprise here for you. Get the sentence done so we can, we can surprise you. I was so anxious to do it with and, your parents. You, you mentioned something about it. You know, there's another uh, chance for you to perhaps have a bigger moment here. Because uh, we know you turned 30 this weekend. Then I rolled my eyes and I thought, oh, for goodness sake, what are we, what so are we doing So what did here? you think when you look over and you see good old Glenn and Don yeah, Williams but you right don't, there? but you don't because we're staring at the camera. And, but did you, you, then you look then down at the monitor at the that's monitor. below. But like it, it at first me... we're just like nodding and staring at the camera like, what is Jamie talking about? It took me a little while. Yeah, I didn't <laughs> see it at first, you know, because the, the camera panned out. Yeah. And there's my mom and dad standing next to you. And my jaw hit the ground and, and I just couldn't believe um, yeah. What you um, and he was wearing his Aston Villager, so I was worried that he got confused that they were here again. Yeah. <laughs> I did say to my dad afterwards, just said, "We got to get you a Minnesota United." <laughs> Can't be coming in a Villager. This you know. was a this was a surprise that stemmed from back when Villa was here. The likes of Morgan Lubin, Josh Given, Sean Sicknick, Kendall was involved in on it, um, making all the tickets. Was Kenny involved as yeah. well? Yeah, all right, Come absolutely. On. So. There was a lot of people that were conspiring to make this happen. So no, a lot that's of amazing. Thank you. Wanted for that reaction, and uh, I could only imagine. I mean, what you what did you think? I mean, you broke character, by the way. The guy <laughs> yeah. who's so tight lipped, Kendra, all the yeah. time doesn't really show too much emotion apart from a 90th minute winner. <laughs> you broke. We got you to break on yeah, TV, I and was... you would turn around trying yep. to figure out where they were in the yep. stands. It was. I, yeah, it's he quite broke, awesome. He broke protocol, basically. Yeah. <laughs> well, you you have a video Which of it, don't you? Thing. I do have a video of it. What's um, your What's your Twitter handle? Uh, at calwilliams.com. I'm not. I, I'm gonna. I, I know my my dad's probably gonna put it out there at some. You got to post on yours. Sure. I might do. We'll see. Kendra, yours is at Kendra Sports. Is that yep. correct? Yep. I'm sure Kendra will probably will probably throw that out there. I'll throw it out <laughs> on mine. We'll and, see. We'll, and one we'll of your see. buddies sent you one right away last night. Yeah, because a friend of mine um, was watching the game here in Minnesota, and, and he knows my mum and dad. He used to work with me in Kansas City and was uh, watching it. But anyway, um, yeah, amazing moment. Um, and uh, but still, the, the first ever win at Minnesota United at, at Allianz Field is uh, is up there for me. <laughs> we'll go one A one B. One A one B. There we go. Uh, right. So let's move on uh, before we finish things up here. As you've both alluded to several times there is still plenty of work left to do two regular season games remaining we finished the season at Seattle Sounders uh, not this coming Sunday next Sunday this coming Sunday 
Uh, Minnesota United host LAFC, who have secured the Supporters' Shield. They are the best in Major League Soccer. Um, they've been <laughs> just about as untouchable as anybody ever has in Major League Soccer, uh, unless Minnesota United go to Bank of California Stadium. Um, <laughs> but it, it's going to be a very intriguing game, Kendra, because it is going to be first against second in the Western Conference. Um, and, and it's going to be on national television, Fox Sports 1, um, you can hear us to the game on Score North and across the nation on Sirius XM. Um, but I, I get the feeling that this will be uh, the main game that a lot of people will want to watch on Sunday evening. Yeah, and I think if you you know maybe talk to some people that be with you know the TV powers that be would say, oh shoot, you know both clinched and or not you know they clinched the supporter shield with a win over Houston, Minnesota clinched to play up. But I still think that this game has everything to play for from just a pure atmosphere standpoint. Minnesota knows what they're trying to do to get that home field advantage. LAFC still going for the record and the points. Bob Bradley is not going to give in, and the fact that Minnesota went on the road and beat LAFC in a place where they had not been beaten in 2019 in the MLS regular season. Bob Bradley doesn't forget that either, and I guarantee the rest of the roster doesn't as well. And I don't think he's going to pull any punches. I don't think he's going to sit anybody. And I think that this game is once again going to have that kind of a feel to it. And once again, Minnesota knows that there is a chance, a chance that maybe this is the last game that you have for the season at Allianz Field. Minnesota United fans know that as well, that – you know, and everybody, no, no punches pulled on this one. No subs, no players being rested. Carlos Vela didn't play the last time around. I think that this game still has all to play for for both sides, even though technically both sides clearly and firmly in the playoff position. I do wonder, actually, Jay, what Bob Bradley's going to do. Um, you can see arguments for both sides of this particular argument. Um, I, I agree with Kendra in her notion that. I think Bob Bradley will want to claim as many points as he can. I think um, Carlos Vela will obviously be going for the Golden Boot record. Mm -hmm. I see no reason why Bob Bradley wouldn't play the star players because you want to go in to the playoffs with momentum. I know they'll have a bye week, yeah. but perhaps going in with as many wins as you can, with as much momentum as you can into the playoffs uh, is what Bob Bradley would look to do heading into it. There's three reasons why I think this will be a performance in which LA probably considers this to be like a playoff game for them, right? One, you touched on it, Bob Bradley. He's got the mentality that he wants to be the best team of all time and be able to say we've earned the most points in a single season. Right now, they're currently three points off with two games in hand. Their last game of the season at home to the Colorado Rapids, who... <sighs> They currently sit in ninth place, uh, won't really have, they're not eliminated, but they have to win two. They would then have to win a tiebreaker. FC Dallas and Portland would have to drop all their points. It's just, it's realistically, it's not going to happen. So you're talking about an eliminated Colorado Rapids team at home. If they come here and they get anything from this match, they get a point, they get three points. They're well on their way to a win at home, being the one that gives them the best record ever. Knowing Bob Bradley the way I do, haven't played for him. He's a very prideful coach. He wants that. He wants to be able to say, this was the best team. We've put together the best team. I coached the best team, right? So there you go. So two, you've got the team that's sitting on 81 goals right now. 85 goals is the record that was set back in 98 with the LA Galaxy. Most goals scored in a season. They already have the best goal differential ever right now as it stands. And barring any sort of something crazy, they're going to have the best goal differential in a season. Second thing is they can really go set the overall record and be yes, able to be the most high-scoring team, the best team ever. Then how can you really argue against them? If they go on to win an MLS Cup, there you go. 
the best team ever in MLS history. And third and finally, Carlos Vela on 30 goals. Joseph Martinez set the record last year at 31. You don't think he wants to do that? Right. With Zlatan in the same city chirping him every time, right on his heels in the golden boot race as well. He's going to want to win. He's going to want to do that. Everybody's competitive at this point. And I was fortunate one season. I won a golden boot in my career. And I know I looked at the score sheet. I looked at what everything Matt Delacott was doing for the Richmond kickers. when I was playing for the Wilmington Hammerheads was doing in USL. And, and I've been in that spot. I know exactly what he's thinking. And that's, that's the reality of it. So with those three things in mind, absolutely. This is going to be the best thing. And I'd even mention the fact that Minnesota United won a few teams all season, only four teams all season have beaten LAFC Minnesota. One of them only a couple of weeks ago in LA an element of revenge. So yeah, what do I think they're going to do? It's going to be, let's throw the kitchen sink at Minnesota United for three, maybe even four good reasons. Why it's going to be full throttle. Really looking forward to it. Alan's field before we, uh, excuse me, before we finish up, um, I want to uh, just get your thoughts on what we expect from Minnesota United on Sunday. Uh, no chase gas, but obviously he was sent off in the dying gimbals of the game against Kansas City. Uh, you would assume Mwimbe Tarap would come in at left back. We've seen Hassani Dotson play there very effectively throughout the course of the season as well. It wouldn't surprise me if perhaps Ozzy Alonso is given a rest yeah. heading into the Seattle Sounders game, the final game of the regular season the following weekend. Um, what, what should we expect from a tactical perspective against LAFC on Sunday? Well, first of all, I think Adrian Heath is going to go for it regardless of the situation for exactly all those reasons that Jamie just listed that LAFC is going to go for it. I mean, Adrian Heath, in, and I think he'll tell you too that it doesn't, again, have to be a pretty game, but he wants to go all out for his supporters, for his fan base against LAFC on your home turf, knowing that it may very well be the last time you play in front of these home fans and what they've given you, not just this season and the last three seasons, but prior in Minnesota soccer history. I think a lot of it's going to depend on the health of the players. I mean, they've had a very busy week. They looked very tired in the start of that game just last night. Um, I just think that there are certain players that are just, it's the grind of the late season. We talked about it. It was the 10th double week game for Minnesota United. Plus they were on the road at Portland, got back late. They played on turf, not doesn't necessarily do the body good for a player like Ozzy Alonso, even Ike Parra and some of those joints and, and how you're going to feel after running on that for 90 minutes. Um, so I think, you know, coming back and then playing at home last night, the guys just have to recoup, see how they do the next few days. It helps that it's a Sunday night game, mm -hmm. gives them a little bit more time. Um, but again, the benefit is that you do have some guys on the bench with some fresh legs, some fresh possibilities. I don't think Mason toy has been good the last few games. I don't, I, I don't see anything wrong with switching that up, um, and going with a different look, even though he scored the two goals at LAFC. I just don't think Mason Toy has done enough for me to keep him in the lineup. I don't know what he'll do because they won with him in the starting 11. And we know how sometimes that fares into things. So um, I, I don't see a problem with switching up, putting Angelo up top, giving him some minutes, even though he's not necessarily 90-minute game fit. Mm -hmm. I have to say, I, I think, if anything, it wouldn't surprise me if Abu Dunladi yeah. was to start up front. And, and to he's a lot more... Uh, energetic and has the ability to get in behind um, mm -hmm. what isn't the quickest LAFC back line. Mm -hmm. um, but the pressure, Jay, will, will be on Minnesota United to go and play mm -hmm. uh, after the club is now riding a tremendous high. They'll want to continue on that upwards trajectory with a win over LAFC. Yeah, they will. And, and right now, of course, they're not going to want to ever lose at home. They've only done that once all season. They're, in fact, only one of four teams that have one loss or fewer. There's nobody that went undefeated. Everybody's got one loss, at least one loss. Only four teams have solely one loss. 
Minnesota United are one of those four. So certainly not going to want to lose to LAFC at home. But with that in mind, I think Minnesota United are going to have to try to get something from the game because if you start to look at some of the other schedules that the other teams around, right now a home playoff game is not locked up. Real Salt Lake have a fairly, I believe it's what, Houston, Houston and, and Vancouver. Vancouver. Mm-hmm. Yeah which they're sitting on 47 points. So let's assume that if they win both of those games, they then go to 53 points. Minnesota United on 52 points. There's one team that could top Minnesota United to take one of the home playoff spots that's currently outside of it. LA Galaxy schedule. Well, they've got, I believe it's it's Vancouver at home and then Houston. So similar schedule just flip-flopped from Real Salt Lake. So again, two teams towards the bottom of the Western Conference, both of them eliminated from playoff contention mm-hmm. so not much to play for in there and then you look at the other one seattle sounders they've got minnesota united on the last day and they've got san jose so minnesota united have to get something from one of these two games i think because if the other two if the other three teams win out minnesota united could find themselves in fifth mm-hmm. so i think there is motivation and understanding in which minnesota united need to get something from this game or they have to hope that somewhere else one of those other three teams falter. So you start to look at the other team's schedule too, and they are locked into the playoffs. Certainly they're going to be locked into a home playoff game. Mouthwatering stuff. Really can't wait for Sunday evening at Allianz Field. My thanks, as always, to Jeremy Watson, to Kendra D. St. Aubin. And you can watch second against first in the Western Conference. 6.30 p.m. on Sunday on national television on Fox Sports 1. Or indeed, you can listen to us on the radio from 6 p.m. Central on Score North and uh, outside the Twin Cities on Sirius XM. As always, thanks very much for joining us. You've been listening to a Minnesota United production.